Is God good to you this morning? Praise the Lord. Let's put our hands together again for one praise. Every praise is to our God. Amen. What a day. What a day. What a bittersweet day this is. Amen. Pray for your pastor. Come on. Peanut butter got jelly. Amen. Chicken got dumplings. Come on, say amen, somebody. Huh? Batman got Robin. Lord have mercy. Johnny Manziel has Cleveland. Lord have mercy. Uh, but Pastor Edmonds has John Coxum for just about a few more hours. Lord have mercy. Y'all have to pray for the preacher. I love that boy with all my heart. And going to miss him severely. Have mercy. And we are not even trying to pray that somebody would replace John. Amen. Because can no one take your place, my brother? Amen. Is that all right, saints? Let's put our hands together for John Coxum today. Because it is his last Sabbath, we are going to uh, have him to have second service all to himself. And he will preach in our second service. We are asking that all of you that love John would stay over to second service and then stay immediately after second service for the reception that we are having for him, which will prove to be quite a treat. It's proved to be quite a treat. I think it is, the Bible says that the men of God are worthy of double honor. Would you say amen? amen. And my mama always taught me to say thank you. Amen. Were you taught that as well? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was taught to say thank you. And we need to do a good job today so that he will never forget us. Never. We know, no matter where he goes, if he goes to the general conference, we want, we, want, we want Glenville to be in his mind. Come on, say amen. When he stands before the altar and gets married, Glenville's going to be there. Come on, say amen. Yes. Yes. When he has his first child, he will name his child Myron if he is a boy. Yes, sir. <laughs> And, and his daughter will be named Glenville. Come on, say amen. Yes. We want him to remember us forever. And we know that he will. Would you say amen? amen? Now, media team, today I'm going to be going back and forth between what you see on the screen, which is more of a, uh, it is a supplementary to what I'm going to be preaching today. If you would, uh, take us to the Bible, media team, to the book of Acts, chapters 27 Begin at chapter 27, and then we're going to work our way to verse 28. So you're going to have to stay with me this morning. I'm going to do the best I can to preach two chapters of the Bible. I was taught never to do that. But by the grace of God, we're going to preach exactly what the Lord tells us to say to his people today. Would you say amen? This is the last sermon in our series of the book of Acts. And if you have been blessed by the study of the book of Acts as much as I am, as much as I have, rather, would you say amen? Amen. Man, I have learned so much about the Holy Spirit, about the real mission and purpose of the church. I have learned so much more about Paul. I have, Paul has, 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 has quickly become my favorite of all biblical characters other than Jesus himself just because of just the sheer radical passion that he had for the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you were with us at all during this series, you would have picked that up. 
We started this series in the book of, of Acts, the first chapter. And when we started this series, we had 11 Jews, 11 Jewish men whom uh, it was said in the word of God that they were shocked because they were unlearned and they were ordinary. And so our theme has been ordinary people. And as you look all through the book of Acts, there's one, 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 one clear uh, line of consistency. And that is not it. That this has been the acts of the apostles, but rather that God's Holy Spirit can work through people. And God's Spirit, if we let him, would you say if we let him? If we allow God's Spirit to have free reign in our lives. I want to emphasize that. A lot of us want the Spirit of God, but we want to tell the Spirit of God what to do. Uh, We want to be in control of our lives. I preached a sermon some years ago called The Antidote for the Control Freak. And the antidote for the control freak is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does not want you in charge of your life. Human nature, you are born with a control issue. You're born with it. You want to be able to do what you want to do when you want to do it. But when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, have I got any witnesses here this morning? How many know that your plans, as well as your, as your, as your, as your control, has to go out the window? And I, I, my wife and I have been saying this for years. One of the reasons why... So many are afraid of the Holy Spirit. It's because when the Holy Spirit comes in, he takes total control and you have no more control. And especially for those of us who like to be in control, you, 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 you and the Holy Spirit are going to get into some fights. But I promise you he will win. <laughs> promise you he will win. I promise you he will win. And so we started off with just 11. We had lost one to a suicide. His name is Judas. Most folk would have thought that he would have been the guy that would have done all the great exploits in the book of Acts. But we started off with 12. We ended up with 11. And those 11, uh, they replaced the, uh, the 12th one with a guy named Matthias. And we didn't hear nothing about him. Really, the only, of the only of the apostles that we see in any prominence in the book of Acts is really Peter, James. And uh, other than that, a bunch of no names. And then a no-name guy named Paul shows up who was actually doing the very opposite of what Christianity was about. As a matter of fact, he was trying to kill Christians. He was trying to take Christianity out. But God has a, God has a way of turning those things around that seem like they're against us and making them for us. Would you say amen? amen? And if you don't have the book of Acts, hear me now. If you go from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John to the epistles, that's the book of Romans, Corinthians, Ephesians, Galatians, these are all books that Paul has written. If there is no book of Acts, there really is no New Testament. There's no, no epistle. There's no, there's no word to us uh, like uh, all things work together for good to them that love the Lord. The only thing that we have is the book of Acts. Acts gives us the story behind the epistles, how all the epistles came to be. And those of you who are serious students of the Bible, what I've discovered, and I really didn't even know this, is now that I, as I am reading Corinthians and as I'm reading Galatians, as I'm reading Ephesians, man, these things are starting to come alive to me now, Brother Madison. I'm starting to see what Paul was saying and where he was saying it and things of that nature. And so the book of Acts is crucial. And I want to say this as we go into our new series, which is called God is Love. If you are not familiar with the story of the book of Acts and the work of the Holy Spirit and how he is trying to move in his church, it's going to be real difficult to understand how God is going to move in your life in these last days. Would you say amen? Amen. 
And so I want to encourage you, uh, get, 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 just get, 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 get some time in the Word, in the book of Acts, as we prepare to go in our new series, which will begin on next Sabbath. Well, let's get into it. I want to begin in Acts chapter 27, Acts chapter 27, Acts chapter 27, and I want us to look very carefully at verse, uh, verse uh, 21, Acts chapter 27 and verse 21, Acts 27 and verse 21, Acts 27 and verse 21. Then we're going to bounce uh, from that verse uh, down to a few other verses and close in chapter 28. Amen? All right, let's get into the word. The Bible says, after the men had gone a long time without food, Paul stood before them and said, men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Verse 23, last night an angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, stood beside me and said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. And God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. In other words, the Bible is saying, because Paul is on the boat, ain't nobody going to die. He's telling them, listen, y'all should have took my advice, but since you didn't, the Lord encouraged me last night by sending an angel as we are in the midst of this storm. Paul is on a ship headed for Rome, and most of you know the story. The ship wrecked, and a storm came of hurricane proportions, literally, trying to destroy the ship. And we know that this was no ordinary storm. This was a storm sent by the enemy to destroy the ministry and the work of Paul. But this is what Paul said. And, I, and, I, and sometimes I hesitate to say something. Paul basically said, I'm not going to die. Amen. Amen. I'm not dying. And because I'm not going to die, ain't nobody in here going to die. As a matter of fact, the boat will be destroyed, but we ain't going to die. <laughs> and you're not going to die because God told me last night that I have got to finish the purpose that he has placed in my life. How many of you can say right now that you ain't going to die until God's purpose is fulfilled? Yeah. Oh, come on in here, somebody. If you go, you either will go prematurely or you will go right on time. Amen. It is possible to delay and to disrupt the plan of God. But when God is in your life, even when you die, you die at the right time. That's why Christians, when they go to funerals and they know that somebody knew the Lord, they give God glory. They celebrate because their mission has been accomplished. They have finished the race set before them. Paul said, I'm not dying. No one will die. The ship will be destroyed. But y'all are not going down tonight. Verse 25, he says, so keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Verse 26, nevertheless... We must run aground on some island. Go to verse 27. On the 14th night, how many nights were they in a storm, everybody? 14th night in the midst of a hurricane, you'll discover. We were still, Luke, Dr. Luke is writing and says, we were still being driven across the Adriatic Sea when about midnight, the sailors sensed they were approaching the land. Verse 28, they took soundings and found that the water was 120 feet deep. A short time later, they took soundings again and found it was 90 feet deep. Verse 29, fearing that we would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. They're fighting for their lives. 
Verse 30, in an attempt to escape from the ship, the sailors let the lifeboat down into the sea, pretending they were going to lower some anchors from the bow. Verse 31, then Paul, (laughs) they tried to sneak off the boat, y'all. Bible says, then Paul said to the centurion and soldiers, unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. Look at your neighbor and say, you better stay on the ship. (laughs) You better stay on the ship. Verse 32, so the soldiers cut the ropes and held the lifeboat and let it fall away. Verse 33, just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. For the last 14 days, he says, you have been in constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't eaten. Verse 34, now I urge you to take some food. You need it to survive. Not one of you, here it goes again, will lose a single hair from his head. After he had said this, he took some bread and gave thanks to God in front of them all. Then he broke it and began to eat. Verse 36, they were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. Verse 37, altogether, there were 276 of us on board. Now, notice this now. The Bible says there are 276, almost 300 of them on board. But even in the midst of this hurricane, not one of them is going to die because Paul is there. Verse 38, when they had eaten as much as they wanted, they lightened the ship by throwing the grain into the sea. Verse 39, when daylight came, they did not recognize the land, but they saw a bay with a sandy beach where they decided to run the ship aground if they could. Cutting loose the anchors, they left them in the sea and at the same time untied the ropes that held the rudders. Then they hoisted the foresail to the wind and made for the beach. But the ship struck a sandbar and ran aground. The bow stuck fast and would not move. And the stern was broken to pieces by the pounding of the surf. Verse 42. The soldiers planned to kill the prisoners to prevent any of them from swimming away and escaping. But the centurion wanted to spare Paul's life and kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and to get to land. Verse 44. The rest were to get there on planks or on pieces of the ship. Ah, you're going to get there, but some of you might get there on pieces and on planks, but you'll get there. The Bible says in this way, everyone, in this way, everyone reached the land in safety. Now, the last passage I want to read to you this morning is in verse 30 of chapter 28. In verse 30 of chapter 28. In verse 30 of chapter 28. The Bible says for two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. Boldly and without hindrance, he preached the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord, today in Jesus' name. Amen. The title of my message today is Stop Making Plans. Stop Making Plans. To be honest with you this morning, I have been taught all my life to be successful, to be great. As a matter of fact, we've been... It's something I would say to my son every, every night before he would go to sleep. And I would say, you're going to do great things for God. And I would be honest, there was a period in my life where I was so thirsty and hungry to be great that the pressure of achievement, the pressure of accomplishment, the pressure to be successful had so overwhelmed me that I no longer wanted to do anything. I had gotten discouraged. I had gotten envious of other people's success. As a matter of fact, 
really, if I'm honest with you, the thing that really drove me to be successful was my own insecurities. The thing that really drove me to be great and to plan and strategize where I was going to be in 15, 20 years was my insecurities because I want people to say he's great. I wanted people, I wanted the approval of people to say that he made it. Look at what he accomplished. Look at his children. Look at his wife. Look at his marriage. Look at his house. Look at his car. Look at what he has done in ministry. And what I've discovered is, is this obsession to accomplish, this obsession to be great, this obsession to want to have people pat me on the back and say, job well done almost got me to a place where I had become really more interested in greatness than I was in God. More interested in accomplishment of my goals and my plans than I was interested in what God's plans were for my life. And I just want to say this to you. What I have learned in my short time is this. that You can make whatever plans you want you can set, I was on a five-year plan to have children. They came in 18 months, apart from each other, 18 months after I got married. I had plans that I was going to stay in Nashville, Tennessee for the next 15 years. And look at me now, I'm here in Cleveland. You can make plans all you want. The bottom line is, you live long enough, God has a way of messing up your life and messing up your plans. And that's just the truth of what it is. Many of us are caught off guard by this because we, are so, we, are, we, we want so much control over the circumstances of our lives. And many of us have done a good job at it up until this point. For the most part, everything that you have done, accomplished, or received you can pretty much chart, it's because I did this, and it's because I did this, and it's because I did that. But let me tell you something. If you are a Christian, then you ought to have more things in your life where you cannot tell people how it happened than you can tell people how it happened. Because what really begins to happen is, is we actually start getting to a place where we start spiritualizing our ability to control our lives and really, the fact of the matter is, brothers and sisters, God is not leading us. We are leading ourselves. Amen. Amen. Uh, just be honest with you. As I read the scriptures and as I've been studying the book of Acts, uh, one thing is becoming more and more clear to me is that God is sovereign, which is to say this, that he can do what he wants, when he wants, and how he wants. And I want to go a step further. He really doesn't even care about your plans. Amen. I used to think that God wants to help me fulfill my dreams. And you hear a lot of this preached in pulpits. You hear people talking about my destiny and my purpose and the things that I want to accomplish. And I want, I want all of us to be very careful as to what we listen to. There are some things that sound good but are really not biblical. Let me help you right now with a few definitions. The first thing, if you're writing this down, is the purpose of our lives is the same for every person in here. Let me say that one more time. Every person under the sound of my voice has the exact same purpose. Ah, I ain't getting no amens there. I've got the same purpose as Cavers. I've got the same purpose as Roscoe. I've got the same purpose as Sister Munford. Everybody in here has the same purpose. Do you know what that is? It's in the Word. 
in John chapter 7 and verse 13 and says, this is eternal life that you might know me, the only true God. Everyone in here lives and breathes for one purpose. You were created for one purpose. Why did God create me? God created me to be in relationship with him. The purpose of my life is to be in relationship with God, period. Everything else in my life is a means to that end. Are y'all with me this morning? Your reason for living is to know God, is to get close to God, is to get so close to God that there is no difference. Really, there is no separation. There is no distinction between you and God. It's clear that you and God, as the word of God says, become one in spirit, one in mind, one in purpose. One purpose in life, know God. There is another part to that that I want to also introduce you to today. The other part of knowing God, when you come to know God, then you become like God. When you are like God, then you want other people to know about God. So you only got two purposes in life, to know God and to make him known. That's it. That's the reason why you got that job. That's the reason why you married that spouse. I was uh, counseling with a couple the other day, and I want to tell you this now. A lot of people are getting married, and they have no idea why they're getting married. There's only one reason why God puts two human beings together, and that's not to make each other happy. Because two human beings can't do that. There's only one reason why God gives you kids, and it's not for kids to make you happy. Come on, somebody talk to me in here. How many know kids? There's only one reason why God gives you their job, the opportunities. And all these things have the tendency to disappoint us. If you live for your children, if you live for your job, if you live for your spouse, I promise you, you will be disappointed. If you live for other people, you're going to be disappointed. Understand right now, the only reason why God gives us any blessings or anything that comes from him, it is designed to do one thing, to help us to get to know him better, period. I'm here for one reason, to know God and make him known. That's it. But confusion amounts. People are, people, people are, people have no idea why they're here. And so what happens is, is if you don't know what your destination is, then you're going to take the wrong exits and the wrong streets in order to getting to the destination. What's the destination? It's not greatness. The destination is saved. My destination for me is saved. <laughs> Standing on the sea of glass in the presence of God, never, ever to be separated again. My number one desire in life ought to be what David said in Psalms 27. One thing have I desired of the Lord and that one thing will not hear it now. He says, I've desired it, and because I desire it, this is what I'm going to pursue. He said, one thing have I desired of the Lord and that one thing. Will I seek that I might do what? That I might dwell in the house of the Lord. The crying need for humanity is simply to be with God. Uh, I've discovered that even in life, I know we're not in heaven yet, but, but, but the greatest moments in my life are those moments when I'm in his presence. It is in, the Bible says, it is in his presence that we obtain fullness of joy. 
The stuff I've prayed for, financial blessings that I have received have never given me joy because they're so fleeting. They come and they go. People come and go. Situations come and go. But one thing that gives me constant joy is when I'm in the presence of God. You know why? Because I was created to be in his presence. And when I was created to be in his presence, there's nothing that will satisfy me more than to live and then to dwell in the presence of God. I was built for this. I was born for this. I was called not to be a preacher. I was called to know God and make him known. And if God chooses right now to do it through preaching, so be it. But I give God permission that if tomorrow he changes his mind and says, pick up your family and move overseas and be a missionary, then I will do whatever God tells me to do. I'm not married to pastoring. I'm not married to my job. I'm married to knowing God. And any alien thing that comes in and tries to disrupt me knowing God, I curse it, I bind it, I reject it. And this is the filter, really, that we ought to use when we are making decisions in life. Is this thing going to get me into the kingdom? Will this drive me to God or will it drive me away from God? Well, when I look in this passage of scripture, I get a little disappointed. Put up uh, my presentation. Paul has plans. What did I say, everybody? Paul has plans. And I wanted you to see what his plans are. Now, what I'm arguing today is have no plans. Even it, it coming out of my mouth bothers me. It does. I mean, to even say that goes against everything I've ever been taught. And we're going to make it abundantly clear as we go forward. But what I'm going to tell you today is, here's my thesis, stop making plans for your life. Stop it. Stop it. Stop. Stop. Stop it. It's not biblical. <laughs> when I, John, when I wrote that down yesterday, I said, that's not right. And then I had to go to the word, okay? Go to Acts 19.21. Acts 19.21. Acts 1921. I don't want you making plans for Danville. I don't want you making plans for South Boston. When I when I heard I was going to Glenville, I had gotten so beat up by Murfreesboro, Shelbyville, and Franklin, three churches. That when, I, when they told me, you're going to Cleveland, Ohio, I said, I ain't making no plans. That done got me in trouble before. I ain't making plans no more. People are not going to think you're successful. 
Well, shoot, man, making plans didn't make me successful either. Yeah. Some of y'all got all kind of plans, and you still ain't doing nothing. Acts 19, Paul had a plan. And basically what I want to show you is, is how do you deal in life with no plans? All right? First thing I want to tell you is this, before we look at this passage. Make no plans for your life. Amen? Amen. All right. Now... Stay with me because it's going to sound like a contradiction. Acts 19, verse 21. The Bible says, after all this had happened, Paul decided to go to Jerusalem, passing through Macedonia and Achaia. After I have been there, this is what Paul is saying, stay with me. He said, I must visit Rome also. Y'all catch that? Paul made a plan. Or did he? Or did he? Or did he? Did Paul make a plan? Well, let's go and see. Go back to Acts chapter 27. Put your finger in there. Rather, go to chapter 28, and I want you to look at verse 30. Now, Paul in Acts 19 said, watch this, it says, Paul decided to go to Jerusalem, passing through Macedonia and Acacia, and then he says, when I'm done here in Jerusalem, I'm going to visit Rome also. Okay? What he's saying is, is in the same way that I visited Jerusalem, I'm going to do the same thing in Rome. Now, you understand why Paul wanted to go to Rome. Paul, the, the, the evangelist, wanted to get the gospel to the world. Rome at that time, I don't, we don't even really have a comparison of this in, in our world. I mean, maybe there, it, it, at that time, Rome was the capital of the world. So if the gospel were to get to the whole world, it had to go through, one would argue, through Rome. We're talking about an empire, not a nation. See, in 2014, we have superpowers. United States, China, the UK, stuff like that. In those days, they had empires. One nation ruled the world. Now, Rome represents everything that Paul was about. It was where the most wicked people were. It was where the most, the most people were, population-wise. It's where the Gentile, it was the seat and it was the, it was the epicenter of the Gentiles. Now, if his mission is to get the gospel to the world, then it just makes sense. I've got to go where? I've got to go to Rome. So he made up his mind, the Bible says in different versions, I'm going to Rome. The same way I went to Jerusalem, I'm going to Rome. Well, I want to make it very clear. In chapter 28, verse 30, watch this. For two whole years, Paul stayed there. And you know what the there is? The there is Rome. He made it to Rome. So this sounds really confusing. You're saying make no plans. But Paul said, I'm going to Rome. And guess what? Next thing you know, we see Paul 
in Rome. Now, here's the, here's the rub. Here's the rub. Are you ready for this? It was not Paul's plan to go to Rome or Jerusalem. You know what Paul's plan was? To kill Christians. Y'all missed it. Paul's plans were eliminate Christianity. But when Christ came into his life, Paul no longer operated on his plans. For the rest of his life now, he was driven by God's plans. But now, only we see Paul talking. Paul is talking God's plans like they're his plans. Some of us are so confused with what God's plan is and what our plans are that when we talk, we don't know the difference between our plans and God's plans. Paul was able to say with clarity, I'm going to, I'm going to Rome, but I'm not going because I want to go. I'm going because I initially wanted to destroy everything on my way to Rome. But God came into my life and he turned my life so upside down now that I no longer live my life based on my plans. My life is, hallelujah, thank you Jesus, my life is now based on the plans of God. And we're hearing now, oh, there is a guarantee I want to make. When you live your life based on God's plans, his plans always come to pass. Yes. <laughs> Hallelujah, God. You cannot stop God's plans. Thank you, Jesus. I'm just going to encourage myself in the Lord right now. No matter what people say, no matter what people do, no matter what hindrances that you have in your way. Paul says, I was shipwrecked three times. Paul says, I was beaten. Paul says, I was left for dead. Paul says, I was out stranded in the middle of the ocean. He says, but in all my sufferings and in all my experiences, I have come to discern that if God is for me, then who can be against me? And the plans, hear me now, the plans of the Lord. Lord shall always come to pass. The difference between Paul now and then is Paul was running his life in the name of the Lord. But he watched one. Now, now I want you to see the extreme lengths God has to go to get us to now really operate on his agenda. He had to almost kill Paul. He blinded Paul. He knocked Paul down. God showed up and had to really pull back his divine power because he should have killed Paul on that horse on his way to Damascus. And I want to make this very clear. Many of you are not going to... You will never release the control of your life until God knocks you down and shows you how futile your plans are. Praise God, brother. Praise God. Praise God. Let's have a word of prayer, brothers and sisters. Absolutely. Father in heaven right now, we, we are not, we, honestly, we are, we are not surprised at these things. And we pray for our dear brother. And we forgive him because he doesn't know what he's doing. And Father, we're praying right now that whatever is binding him, he will be set free. This is what you have called us to. You have not called us to have services. We don't care about our services being disrupted. But you have allowed a man to come in our midst who needs you, God.
And we're praying that those that are here will minister to his needs. Is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. What a great illustration. We had plans. You know what our plans were? Come in and have a service. And don't nobody bother us. Don't nobody strange come in off the street and walk into our service. Thank you, Jesus. But God allowed this brother to come in our midst. And I'm going to tell you all a story. Uh, Just a few weeks ago, there was a sister. She came actually the other night. There was a sister who came here and she was, her mind was gone. As many of our folk are in this community. Their minds are gone. There's no need to get mad at somebody who is intoxicated. Their their minds are not. Some of y'all used to be there. Come on, say amen. Some of y'all were walking up and down the street, didn't know what neighborhood you were in. But here's the thing, brothers and sisters. She came in here, and I, I, I was struggling. I said, should I tell the congregation? She came in here, and she went one by one over there. I saw it. She went one by one trying to ask for money from the saints. When the saints would not give her anything, she walked out of the sanctuary. She pulled down her pants, and she peed right there on the steps of the church. She showed up the other night, came into a board meeting. Her mind gone. Brothers and sisters, the, 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 I want you to understand what's happening here. These, these incidents that are happening in Glenville, I don't think it's just because we're in the inner city and, you know, there are bums out there and they're going to disturb our middle class worship service. I think God is trying to open up our minds to understand the kinds of people. He placed us here not to isolate ourselves from these kinds of folk. Listen, these folk wouldn't come in our services and act crazy like that if we were out there doing the work that God had called us to do. Oh, I can't get nobody to talk to me here today. But our plans are come and have a nice service, dress nice, enjoy ourselves, let there be no distraction. But what I'm discovering, as we see here about Paul, Paul said, I'm going to Rome. But here's the point I want to make. Did he get to Rome? Did he get to Rome, everybody? He got to Rome, but he he didn't get there the way he wanted to. See, what I've discovered about God is God will reveal oftentimes our mission. But he will not give us the details on how we're going to accomplish it. If God told you how you were going to fulfill the mission that he has for your life, then you would never accept it. Think about this now. Paul, all Paul wants to do is go preach the gospel. As soon as he gets on a boat, a hurricane takes over. A hurricane. Anybody ever had seasick? I went one time uh, on our honeymoon. You know, I'm tough now. I'm on my honeymoon. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> got to show my wife. I'm the new husband. So we got on this glass boat thing, glass bottom boat in, uh, in Jamaica. And uh, brothers and sisters, now Jamaican food is like some of my favorite food. So, you know, all I could think about was like how I was going to, you know, you know, get in some Jamaican food. When I got on that glass bottom boat, the seasickness. Listen, your boy, let me tell you what your boy was doing. The tough guy, the tough new husband. I was sprawled out. You remember this, baby? I was sprawled out like this. <laughs> in a fetal position. <laughs> because of the seasickness. And I wasn't in no storm. It was calm, clear, blue waters. Get in your mind the Apostle Paul in what is a square boat that really only has a sail. It's loaded down with with commodities, and there are 300 men, prisoners on board. And the word of God says a hurricane comes in, and the only assurance that God has given Paul is you will live, but the ship is going to be destroyed. (laughs) The Bible says that when that word came, the sailors, (laughs) mercy God... (laughs) I 
is that, I mean, listen, when the sailors are ready to abandon ship, brothers and sisters, then you know it's a storm that's out of control. The word of God says the sailors tried to sneak off the boat into the lifeboat, but God gave Paul revelation and the Holy Spirit said to him, Paul, they're trying to get off the boat. Paul said to the centurion, he says, Mr. Centurion, he says, your sailors are trying to leave. He says, and if they leave, none of us will live. Then we see Paul finally get to Rome in pieces. At this point now, Paul is in his late 60s. He has been weathered and tattered by the, by the struggles and the vicissitudes of life. He has, fought, he has fought fearlessly for God, but the man of God is sick right at this point. We see that very clearly in the text. The Bible says that he went and they allowed him to be refreshed by some of his friends. The Greek word refresh literally means Paul needed medical attention. Paul was sick. Paul almost died. He had to swim to shore in his late 60s. He made it, and they finally get to Rome. But he does not get to Rome the way he wants to. When in his mind, he sees himself preaching in the synagogues. In his mind, he sees him holding great meetings. In his mind, he sees thousands of people coming. But instead, you know what? You know how Paul got to, got to Rome? He comes to Rome in chains. And the Bible says he's placed on house arrest. Now, back then, they didn't have ankle joints, you know. They didn't have the ankle ones. But, but what they did do is they put a guard to guard him, and they put him in his own place. So watch this now. Paul sees, I must get to Rome. What he does not see is how he's going to get there. Oh, my goodness. How many of you right now never thought as a baby, as a teenager, as that innocent one that you were in days gone by. How many of you never thought you would see all the stuff that has happened in your life? Who can plan for an abortion? Who can plan for evictions? Who can plan for stage four cancer? Who can plan to lose a child? Who can plan for death and discouragement and loss? Are y'all you listening to me in here? One of the things, life happens, man. Life happens. Life happens. And you look at those pictures in our houses and you see smiling faces like nothing's wrong. But the truth of the matter is, is we never expected. You never expect certain things in life to happen the way they do. They do. I knew that God would have me in ministry. I knew that God would give me the wife of my dreams. I knew that God would give me good children that love me. But I didn't know that I would have to go through some of the stuff I went through in order to receive what God has for me. Who can see that coming? Who can see a divorce come? Who sees this stuff? Are y'all listening to me today? Look at your life and tell me I expected that. The truth of the matter is, there are some things that have happened and we had no control over it. Amen? And come on, the stuff you have no control over? can't do nothing about it. Amen? Amen. But there's some stuff, man. There's some stuff. And I'm talking about you. Who you are. There's some stuff you had no control. You had no control who your parents are. And no control over it. You had no control over the molestation, over the rape. You had no control over it. You had no control over the abandonment. You had no control 
or the abuse. You had no control over that. You had no control over your husband or your wife or your children. You had no control over that. But let's be honest. There's a lot of stuff in our lives where we made plans. We went ahead of God. Oh, y'all not hearing me. Can't nobody be honest with me in here. Listen, and, and you can say all, all you want that the devil was busy. No, it was not the devil. It was not the devil. We made plans. We made plans. See, what happened is that sometimes this is what will happen. God will tell us, here's your mission. Here's your assignment. And then what we will do is we'll try to fulfill his promise. You get like Hagar. My preacher friend told me, you get like Abraham and Hagar. God said, y'all going to have a baby. And your wife and you are almost centurions. A hundred. Abraham laughed. And when the promise did not come when they wanted it, what did Abraham's wife say? Listen, let's help God out. Yo, it's funny how Abraham did not disagree. He didn't didn't disagree. (laughs) Boy, Abraham did not say, let's pray about it. He said, she said, go find your little young something. Abraham said, God has spoken. But let me tell you right now, the, the, the Muslim and Christian fight that we are seeing in Nigeria where hundreds of girls are being taken is the result of Abraham's decision because Ishmael is the father of Islam. So, but, but, but here's the good part about God. God still has a way of even in our stupidity and in our making our own plans and making our own decisions, God still has a way. In other words, you cannot by your dumbness, you cannot by your foolishness totally mess up the plans of God. Hallelujah. It don't matter how dumb you are. Thank you, God. It doesn't matter how proud and arrogant you are. It doesn't matter how well planned you are and how many times you've messed up your life. God still has a way of turning your mourning into dancing. He still has a way of turning your darkness into sunshine. And he says, I can still fulfill my purposes. I just need you to learn how to depend on me. The only time God's plan for your life is done is when you're dead. If you still have life in you, Sister Parker, if you still got life in you, Tammy, if your heart is still beating, if there's still oxygen flowing and blood flowing, somebody that's been on a sick bed knows what I'm talking about. There were moments you didn't think you were going to make it, but if you're still alive, then God still got a plan. And in my mind, I'm trying to figure out what is God going to do now with an old Paul, a sick Paul, a almost blind Paul in Rome at this stage of his life. He's imprisoned. Come on, stay with me, y'all. He's chained and bound. I'm talking about some of you right now. Some of you are looking at your situation and you're, oh, come on. Oh, yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Some of you are looking at your life and you're saying to yourself, this doesn't fit what I think God wants to do with me. 
Look how broke I am. <laughs> Look how single I am. Look how unhealthy I am. Look how old I am. Look at my job. Look at my life. Look at my house. I'm j- I just hate my situation. But if you are in the will of God. And what I mean by that is you are in a covenant relationship with him where he tells you to do stuff and you do it. If God has spoken in your life and you have obeyed him and in your obedience you are still struggling. Any struggling folk in here right now? Any folk can admit the struggle is real. You're saying to yourself, why am I still struggling like this? like this it ain't supposed to be this way I'm tired of this come on talk to me y'all Man, come on anybody just tired of your life tired of being broke tired of being depressed tired of being upset tired of having issues tired of being sick yeah. <laughs> tired I'm just tired anybody get in those moments and you just look all around you and you look at your, where you're living and you say, I, this ain't, I'm tired of this. And you, look at, and you look at where you're going to school and, and you look at your children and you look at your spouse and you say, I'm tired of this. I'm saying to myself, that should have been Paul. Paul's whole life was one big struggle. Church folk wouldn't support him. Oh, y'all not hearing me. Paul never got support from people. Never. He had a few friends that would ride and die. But for the most part, Paul's life was constant opposition, constant struggle. I mean, he was doing God's work and God's people killed him and left him for dead. God's people put him in the bottom of a prison. God's people sent assassins to take his life. His life, y'all not feeling me in here today, was one big struggle. And if people were to look at Paul's life, even his death, y'all know how Paul died? Paul was beheaded by Nero in straight up obscurity. Nobody knew it. It's not even in the Bible. He wasn't successful. None of his plans came to prosper. And as he's sitting there on house arrest, House arrest. His goal, preach the gospel. But notice what God did. I'm going to put you under confinement in Rome. Now, what was his goal? Get to Rome, right? That was God's plan. Did he get to Rome? But he didn't like how he got there. <laughs> See, let me, let me help you out with something. Everybody get this. You are only to be concerned about the what, not the how. The what is your business. The how is God's business. And I've discovered that he ain't going to tell you how. But for those of us who are planners, our whole life is built on how. God's going to send me somebody. And the Lord has given me a dream on what they look like. And then we'll begin to quote scripture. Faith without works is dead. Here, here it is. Can I tell you, and I've said this before. Paul had gotten to a place 
where he flat out didn't do anything until God told him. Everything Paul did, he had a command from God first before he did it. Now, there are two extremes we can take here as we get ready to close. Two extremes. You have two extremes of people. You have some people who pray about everything. You know, Lord, I need you just to show me when to speak to my husband this morning. The word already spoke on that. Love that man. You don't need a word from the Lord. Come on. Some of y'all got a cussing spirit, so you might need to cool down before you, your mouth is bad. Some of y'all spiritualize everything. Should I go to church today? Well, I'm not going to work this morning because the spirit of God has not told me to. <laughs> Some of us pray about stuff that we shouldn't be praying about. It's already in the word. Father, should I study your word this morning? already in the word. See, they're extremes. Some of us spiritualize everything and, we're, and we don't use the brain that God has given us. Neither do we seek wisdom and counsel from his word and from those who have wisdom. Then there's the other group. They don't got they don't got no plans. You lazy you slowful, you procrastinate, and you try to make it seem like I'm waiting on a word from the Lord. You got those that plan everything, plan their, their life, what their children going to look like, what their names going to be. They haven't asked God for anything. What, where are they going to work? What city they going to live in? Then you got those who don't make no plans at all. And both of you are wrong. You know what a happy medium is? The happy medium is, is know God. And when you know him, his spirit will give you clarity on the big stuff and the small stuff. I'm going to tell you right now. There are some things that I don't have to pray about. You know why? Because I already know his will. His will has already been declared. There are other things that are not so clear that I need guidance on. Furthermore, there are some things in my life that even if, even if I pray about it, God ain't going to tell me. Paul's desire was to go to Rome. So it just makes sense to me that you would get on a boat and head for Rome. But what he didn't plan was for the ship to be destroyed, for him to almost die, drown, lose his life. I want you to put my presentation on the screen. I want to end with this statement, which blew my mind. Put my presentation up on the screen, uh, media team, and get ready to come and play. I want, to, I want to show you something here about these plans. Kind of blew my mind. Go to the next slide. Next. 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 All right, watch this. We gotta, and listen, guys, we've got to run through these scriptures quickly. All right, look at Luke 4, 14, 28. You'll get two sides from the Bible, which means there's balance. The Bible says, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? That suggests that I need to have a plan, right? But here's the thing. I can't do that unless there's a general contractor that tells me to build it in the first place. 
Oh, y'all, I missed that. I'm not going to make plans when I've not been given a word to do something in the first place. Now, here's a, here's a caveat. You can make the plans, and guess what? I've discovered in my Christian life that the plans never go according to plan. Some of us are caught up in the plans, and we're not caught up in the purpose. And when the plans don't go right, many of us feel like God is not in it. If I were, if I were, if I were Paul, I would have jumped off the ship and said, you know what? It must not be God's will. I'm in a hurricane. Next text. The Bible says, commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. Did you see that? Commit to the Lord what you are doing. And if he's cool with them, he'll establish your plans. Go to the next text. Proverbs 6 says, look at the ant. You sluggard, consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer, no ruler. Verse 8, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. Point is, is yes, you ought to have plan. You ought to be responsible. Keep going. Matthew 6 says, therefore I say to you, take no thought though. You see that? One minute the Bible says, make plans. The next, the next text says, don't even think about it. It says, take no thought for your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor uh, yet for your body, what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Bible says, don't even think about what you're going to eat. Verse 31, therefore, he says again, take no thought. Y'all see that? Saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or wherewithal shall we be clothed? Uh, a better translation of that is don't worry about it. Take no thought doesn't mean don't plan for it. But see, this is what God doesn't want us to do. God does not want us to be married to plans. God wants us to be married to purpose. Watch, because watch it. Here it is right here. Matthew 6, 32. For after all those things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. Next verse, verse 33 says this. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added. You seek God's purposes and then God will take care of the details. Go to the next verse. Next one. Go to the next one. We got to move. Verse, nine, verse 21 of 19. Many are the plans in a person's heart. Watch this. But it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Did y'all catch that? <laughs> I love that right there. And so, so listen, you, you have your plans. Uh, uh, when, I, when I say make no plans, I mean do not make plans your God. <laughs> Many of us are more interested in plans than we are in God's ultimate purpose. And if God wants to change up the plans, then we're all out of sorts. The Lord says, hey, everybody's got plans. He says, but at the end of the day, it's my purpose that's going to prevail. Go to the next text. James 4. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we'll go to do this or that city, spend a year there. You know how we are. Carry on business and make money. Go ahead. Why do you, e why do you not even know what will happen? Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. What is it? Some of y'all, oh, oh, so verse 15 says, instead you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. Verse 6, 16, as it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes and all such boasting is evil. So in other words, arrogance often takes over when we overly plan our lives. Watch, watch this, verse 17 says, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin. Notice the context here. Many of us are making plans, but God is saying, there's some stuff that I've told you to do. And you haven't done that. And you're making.
making plans. Your plans will not prosper while you are disobedient. Next verse, Jeremiah 29. Now, here's the thing. We got our plans, but how many know God's got his? And I love this verse right here. Pastor Copeland broke this down some time ago. And one of the things he was saying is, is that God was telling them this as they were on their way into exile and slavery. Watch the word he says. Verse 11, for I know the plans I have. Come on, say amen, somebody. You got yours? God's got his. Your plans are all in your heart? God bless you. But God says, I've got plans for you, declares the Lord. Plans to do what? Prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a what, everybody? A future. But notice he's saying this to them while he's planning on putting them in slavery. How am I going to prosper you? I'm going to prosper you by taking you through hell. That's my plan. My plan is you're going to get cancer. My plan is you, yo, you might lose a loved one. My plan is you might lose your job. My plan is I might have to bring you down and humble you. That's my plan. But guess what? Even in the midst of all that, you're going to prosper. Why? Watch this. Go, oh, go, go back, go back, go back. Did you go back? Oh, that's it? All right, watch this. So watch this. The next verse says, and you will seek for me and you will find me. When you search for me with all your heart. So, Pastor, when, when I'm not sure if my plans are in line with God's plans, what am I to do? The Bible says, then you seek God and not understanding for plans. In other words, when I get into a place and I don't know what to do, when to move, if I'm in a waiting season, hallelujah, then my position is to seek God. And if I seek God, he says, then I will be found of him. Now, here's a mind blower. Go ahead. Go to this statement. This is the last one. Making plans. This is from Ellen White's book, Help for Daily Living. This rocked my world. Y'all watch this. It says, many are unable to make definite plans for the future. How many feel that? Can't really do it. Don't you know, you know, some, y'all remember those folks a few years ago? They put their stuff, 401ks, had it set up. That's, what, you know, that's the right thing to do. And then people like made off and other people. How about those plans? That's why the Bible says, uh, uh, put, your, put your treasure, uh, invest your stuff in the kingdom. It, 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 can I give you an, an investment plan that will never fail? When you invest your stuff in the kingdom business, guess what? The investment will always come back your way. You put your stuff in uh, an IRA and Ross, coming all that kind of stuff. Guess what? You can diversify. You can have your portfolio set up. Your 401k can be in order. But guess what? Hey, your stuff is more certain when you give your stuff to the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, because he will give it back to you, good measure, press down, shake it together, and run it over. Now, many are unable to make plans for the future. Their life is unsettled. They cannot discern the outcome of affairs, and that bothers many of us. I don't know, I don't know what to do next. And this often fills them with anxiety and unrest. Oh, please don't miss this. It's going to blow your mind. Next, 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 next page. Let us remember that the life of God's children in this world is a pilgrim's life. What does that mean? It means I'm on a journey, I know where I'm going, but I don't know what to expect along the way. Watch this. We, now watch this line. This line blows my mind. We have not wisdom, you see this, Carl? To plan our own lives. Most of your plans are wrong most of the time. You're not smart enough. You don't have the wisdom to plan a life. Next slide. 
It is not for us to shape our future. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should, after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out, what everybody, not knowing what the plan was. God said to Abraham, this blows my mind, get up and go. He started walking and God didn't even tell him where the destination was. How about that? At least y'all know where you're going. He told Abraham, get up and leave. And Abraham just started walking. Next slide. I believe this is the last one. Christ in his life. Lord have mercy. Christ in his life on earth made no plans for himself. He accepted God's plans for him and day by day, the father unfolded his plans. <laughs> I'm not there. Yo, let me just tell you, you know how, let me finish this statement. So, so, should, so should we depend upon God that our lives may be the simple outworking of his will. As we commit our ways to him, he will direct our steps. And then many of you have heard this, this, this last, we'll go to the last slide. Many of you have heard this before, but you didn't know it was in this context. Here it is. Too many in planning for a brilliant future make an utter failure. Here it is. Let God plan for you. As a little child, trust to the guidance of him who will keep the feet of his saints. I love that. <laughs> He'll keep my feet. <laughs> Trust his plan. Now watch this last line. Watch this last line. I love this. Y'all heard this before. God, go ahead, Michelle. God never leads his children. Listen to this. Don't Listen, 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 listen. God never leads his children otherwise than they would choose to be led. If they could see the end from the beginning and discern the glory of the purpose which they are fulfilling as co-workers with him. So let me break that down. All the hell you've been through, Paul had to be shipwrecked, he had to be beaten. Watch this. God is saying this. When you, if you could stand at the end of your life and look at all the stuff, anybody know what I'm talking about in here? All the stuff that you've had to go through. You know, you know the stuff that you're complaining about right now? <laughs> the stuff that's driving you crazy right now? God is saying, he's saying this. He's saying at the end of your life, Eleanor, you're going to stand back at the end of your life and say, oh yeah, I had to be in that car accident. Yeah. Oh, thank God for cancer. Yeah. I had to go through that divorce. If God did not take my son when he took him there, God didn't take my brother or my sister when he took him there. I wouldn't have made it. I see it now. I get it now. Thank God I got baptized then. And that man came in and shared the gospel with me then at that point in my life when he did. Because I had plans to go in another direction. Thank God he messed up my plans then. Because, because if he didn't, oh my gosh, I see how my life would have been ruined. I had to go to Cleveland when I went. I would have been lost in Nashville. God had to move me. Thank God I didn't marry that one. 
Thank God they were my pastor. <laughs> couldn't, couldn't stand them. But God knew I needed that at that time of my life. Thank God I got terminated, laid off. Thank God I was unemployed for those many years. Thank God I was broke and my lights got turned off. Thank God I went hungry. Thank God for the miscarriage. I had my plans, but God had his. What are we going to do then? Here's the goal. My purpose, get real close to God. The closer I get to God, then I will wait on him for the next move. When he tells me the next move, I'm taking that. But until he speaks a word, I'm not making no plans. Anybody feel me on that? Anybody feeling me on that? How many need help in that area? I want you to stand. How many need help in that area? I want you to stand. God never leads his children otherwise than they would choose to be led. In other words, whatever you're going through right now, if you knew the whole story, you're not hearing me. Whatever you're going through right now, if you knew the whole story, you praise God, you're in your situation. You'd worship God, you're in your situation. Some of you made a decision to come here this morning, but you had other plans, and you don't know why you're here today, except that God pushed you out of your bed and pushed you in that car. But guess what? Maybe if you were at home, something worse would have happened to you. But bless your heart today, God never leads his children otherwise than they would choose to be led. I can't trust myself. tell you right now, the number one thing I want to know in my life, the number one thing is that I'm in his will. I want to know that I'm in his will. I want to, to me, I'm just, brother, sisters, it doesn't matter what's going on around me. It doesn't matter what I'm feeling. If I know that I'm in his will, I never forget Karen Clark, she sang a song back in the day. She says, the safest place in all the world is in the will of God. Oh, have I got anybody in here right now? You just want to know that I'm in his will. I'll suffer for you if I'm, if I'm in your will. I'll go, I'll, I'll go through this thing if I know that I'm in your will. I'll cry myself to sleep at night. But if I'm in your will, I'm going to stay here. I'm not going to move steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in your word. I just want to know I'm in his will. And some of you today, you don't, know, you, don't know, you don't know what his will is. You're not sure if you're in his will. And you want to know what his will is. If you're here today, I want to invite you to come right now. You want clarity. That's what I'm saying. You want clarity from God. What is your will? The Bible says, if you begin to seek me, if you begin to seek me, if you begin to seek me, I'll, I'll, give, you, I'll give you some clues about my will, but I may not share with you the plans. God bless you. God bless you, Tim. Anybody else? You just want, God, I just want to be in your will. I, I, I just feel like that, man. I, I can, I'll suffer my way to heaven. Hey, I'll suffer my way to heaven. Hey, man, I, I'll be broke my way into the kingdom. Come on, somebody. I'll be in this. And some of, some of you are trying to step out and run from suffering, but you don't know that your suffering is your place of salvation. Don't move. Don't move. Stay right where you are. Stay in his will. 
Then there are some of you right now. God has told you to do some stuff. God has made his way plain to you. And you have not obeyed him. And you know by the grace of God that you need some courage to do what God told you to do. I want to invite you to come right now. You know what God is telling you. This is a tough one right here. The the other appeal, you know, we can work with that one. But this one right here, God is telling you, do this and you have not. If you, like the pastor, have gotten a word from the Lord to do something and you have not done it and you need power and strength and courage to do what God told you to do, I need you to come right now. I need you to come. I need you to come. need you to come need you to come there's some stuff God said do this there's some stuff God said do that I'm talking about simple stuff there's some simple stuff God told you to do and you ain't even done that God's saying listen why am I going to explain to you all these great plans and you can't even obey the stuff that's in front of you what's my purpose in life to know God to make him known and when I do that what will he do he'll make it clear He'll he'll order my steps. (laughs) How many know he'll order your steps? Oh, your steps will be ordered by the Lord. Your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed. I said, sing that refrain. Lead me. Lead me. Oh, that's all I want. Guide me. Yes, Lord. Along the way. This is, this is the word right here, y'all. Lord, if you lead. That's it, that's it. Me, I cannot stray. Cannot stray. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, Lord. Lord, let me walk. Let, let me walk. walk. That's it right there, y'all. Each, Each day. Lead me, oh Lord. One more time. One more time. That's our prayer right now. No matter what he tells you to do, be willing to do it. Lead me. Yes, God. Guide me. Along the way. Along the way. Uh Uh-huh. Lord, if you lead me, I cannot stray. Lord, if you lead, I cannot I cannot stray. Cannot stray. Yes, sir. I love this part right here. Lord, let me walk. Lord, let me walk. Each day. Each day with me. Lead me alone. Lead me obedience to the Holy Spirit, there may be somebody today that needs to join the church. God's will for your life first is that you make this decision and say, I know that God is speaking. I'm no longer making plans for myself that are in competition with what God is telling me. If God is speaking to your heart right now and saying, today is the day that you must obey his voice and make a decision to go with Jesus all the way by joining this church, I want you to raise your hand. I want you to raise your hand. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you, my brother. God bless you. God bless you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Anybody else? 
Anybody else? God bless you. God bless you, my friend. Yes. Come here, my brother. Come here, my brother. Yes. Yes. Anybody else? Now, look, this is just practical stuff right here. You got a life to live. I understand that. But God has a better one. He's got a better life for you to live. And better does not always mean less suffering. <laughs> Sometimes it means you got to go through some stuff. Yeah. But guess what? You won't have, if you look back on your life, you're going to be like, I wouldn't have wanted it any other way. <laughs> Woo! What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. Yeah, yeah, what a mighty God we serve. He knows what he's doing. <laughs> We're not wise enough to plan our own lives, but God says, I've got a plan for you. Anybody else want to join the church today? Just raise your hand and say, Pastor, i got to obey this plan. This is the first part of the plan. I've got to obey this. It's God's plan. My plans are to do something else, but I've got to obey God. Raise your hand. 